The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, oh yeah, the voice is still not fully back, folks. The John Moran penalty has been handed down, and as you might expect, very severe penalty for our guy, Ja. Are the Nuggets in trouble? Are they in potential risk of losing out on the number one seed in the West? We also get into who to watch in March Madness if you want to be prepared for the NBA draft and who your favorite team might select. And of course, lots popping from around the league, about a month left. Until the playoffs, if you can believe it. So, Nick, do me a favor and drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. The long national nightmare has come to a close. Yes, John Morant has fallen victim to Adam Silver's decisive hammer of justice. The guillotine, if you will. He is now Ned Stark of the NBA. You are not going to believe the amount of games John Morant has been suspended for. Just to remind anyone, if anyone needs to be reminded, which I'm sure you don't, John Morant has now been involved in three separate alleged incidents allegedly involving guns, including, as everyone already knows, the one incident where he filmed himself at the strip club with the gun in his hand. I'm tired of talking about this, but here we are. Adam Silver has weighed all the evidence and looked at league precedent and came up with an absolute nuke. Eight games, including the six he's already missed, so it's two games punishment now for Ja Morant. Wow, how could you be so bold, Adam? Uh, Last I checked, Ja checked into a rehab center in Florida. Uh, He was planning on working on his addiction issues. Some reports were that we wouldn't see Ja for the rest of the year. Miraculously, because Ja Morant is like a Marvel character, he was cured of all addiction issues and found new coping methods and adopted new coping methods in six days. Congratulations. That is a miracle. Then, uh, yesterday, John Morant gave an exclusive interview to Jalen Rose, who I think I said gave the only reasonable take on the matter. Here is a clip asking John Morant, what was up with the gun in the strip club? You at the spot, shotgun willies. I've been there. You are holding a gun. And we both know how dangerous that can be. Whose gun were you holding? Well, the gun wasn't mine. Um, you know, I, 
it's not who I am. I don't condone and, you know, any type of violence. Joe was just filming a rap video. That's all it was. He was just being an NBA young boy. Here's a clip of John Moran answering what it's like to have your inner circle questioned. What's it been like for you to see people criticize your inner circle? What have you learned about how you should move with your team going forward? I feel like in the past we didn't, we didn't know what was at stake. And now, you know, finally me having that time um, to, you know, realize everything, have that time alone, I realize that now. I realize, you know, what I have to lose. You know, I can't wait to be back out there on the floor now, you know, knowing what my punishment is. And, you know, I accept that and, you know, I feel like I deserve, you know, that punishment for, you know, my mistakes and, you know, what I did. The whole four-minute interview did feel like a masterpiece of public relations. A lot of apologies, a lot of my faults, a lot of I take full responsibilities, a lot of I need to change, uh, and the promise of the Reformation. He had done some anxiety breathing in order to get himself right when he finds himself overwhelmed by life. So basically, John Morant went to Quebec, like me. He went to the, uh, the monastery to learn some breathing techniques he did some yoga, he ate breakfast in silence, and in six days he was a changed man. Just like I was a changed woman in my six days in Quebec when I felt grounded and peaceful and was meditating for about three weeks. And now I'm not meditating, I'm not peaceful, and I am in need of Quebec again. That's, that's human nature for you. Adam Silver called Jaws' behavior irresponsible, reckless, potentially very dangerous, not enough to, like, do anything of note to send a message. That playing with guns in a live stream in front of hundreds of thousands of people may not be great in a country where we've already had hundreds of mass shootings and it's only March. Uh, yeah, like, eight games doesn't really feel like he finds it to be that dangerous. Jaw's going to be back March 20th against Luka and Kyrie, potentially. Dallas Mavericks, national televised game. Do you think Adam Silver really cares? Do you think Adam Silver is concerned about John Morant's health and wellness, or do you think he's concerned about us seeing John Morant on the basketball court as soon as possible? Because I kind of feel like it's the last part. And I like John Morant a lot. He's one of my favorite players to watch on planet Earth. I've said that a bazillion times. I care deeply for this person's health and wellness. Accountability is a big part of that. I don't want to talk about this shit again. Thankfully for us, we probably never will, right? Because John Moran is fully healed. And we will never run into any more John Moran issues from now until the end of time. Good for Jaw. Good for Adam Silver that they have found a speedy solution to something that usually takes most people with these types of issues. Yep, six, seven months. Whatever. Business as usual, just like Adam Silver likes it. Let's move on. So I saw something fascinating last night. Scrolling the timeline. Ran across a CBS Sports article. And the title was, Nuggets open door for Kings to make a genuine push for the number one seed in the Western Conference. That sentence is, is not a sentence I am familiar with. Think about the Nuggets and the Kings battling for the number one seed 24 months ago, 
36. I mean, the what in the actual fuck is going on with life? As a Kings, I don't even think I'm a stand. I don't know. I'm a supporter. I'm riding for them. We've been holding multiple tickets on their futures to win division, win the West. I would be ecstatic if they grabbed the number one seed. I would make a lot of money if they would win the number one seed. But if you look at the standings, the Kings and the Grizz are currently four and a half games behind the Nuggets with 15 games to go. Seems insurmountable, right? Yeah? No. Nuggets are are reeling. They have lost four in a row despite being completely healthy. I mean, if you call what Jamal Murray is fully healthy, including losses to Chicago, who that's a struggle bus, and I think they lost by 20. Toronto lost to Brooklyn and lost to San Antonio, the worst team in the league. That was supposed to be the cupcake part of the schedule. Here's where it gets hard. Now they've got problems on the horizon. They face a 16-win Pistons team tonight, having lost to a 17-win Spurs team last week. And then after this Pistons game, they face a stretch of seven of eight games against playoff teams including the Bucks, Sixers, Suns, Warriors, and Knicks. Rot row. That's not, oh boy, if you can't beat the Spurs, you're not going to face uh, Giannis and come out on the other side victorious. So say the Nuggets, for hypothetical sake, go three and five over those eight games. And say the Kings go six and two, for example. All of a sudden, there's only a game between them with two weeks left to go. Two whole weeks. So. I thought maybe we would do a little dissection, a little analysis on what's going on with Denver because nobody is talking about this, and I think that they should. This is supposedly going to be the best team in the West. This is the team everyone has had said, circled their calendars. This is the team. They are dominant. Jokic, three-time MVP. Everybody else is just a step below, right? No. Everyone thought that they had a good trade deadline. I thought so myself. They added Reggie Jackson, they added Thomas Bryant to fill these holes in the lineup. But it turns out it didn't. they did not address what was ailing them in the first place. They lost Bones Highland and they bring back Reggie Jackson, which, let's be honest, was not an upgrade. That was a big-time downgrade. Reggie Jackson is not very good. Yeah, Bones Highland had some issues in the locker room, but don't, don't we all? Don't we all? They thought they were getting a backup center that could help Jokic uh, in non-Jokic m- minutes protect the rim and not get destroyed. They got neither one of those things that they thought they were getting. Let's look at these players a little closer. Reggie Jackson is a disaster. He's an absolute dumpster fire right now on the Nuggets. He might be the reason that the Nuggets have had this swing in the standings. This is horrible. He's in negative 59 in 20 minutes a game. He's only played 10 games. He's negative 59. They're 5-5 five and five in the games that he's played. That is a team that is in the play-in hunt. Keep in mind, the four top plus-minus players in the entire NBA this year are his teammates. Not shockingly, he got a DMP coach's decision the other night. Not shocking. He's horrible. I can't say enough about how bad he is. I don't know why they did that. I don't understand it. I really don't. According to Zach Lowe, Mike Michael Malone, I like to call him Mike Michael, 
Michael Malone is doing this bullshit with this three small guard lineup, and it's Reggie, which you lost me there, Murray and Bruce Brown. What are we doing? They are getting absolutely cooked with those three men on the floor. Obviously, obviously, Bruce Brown is the only guy who can defend out of those three. Jamal Murray is probably the only one that you can consistently rely on to score. The rest, who knows? Who knows? It's like one of those random tins of popcorn you get. It, who knows? Is it, is it going to be... Is it going to be caramel in there? Is it going to be shit? I don't know. That's basically what that three-guard lineup is. The bigger issue is that the Nuggets have a Jamal Murray problem. So we know he's missed two years. That started the year slow. That's pretty normal, right? He got cooking midseason, and that was that. No, And he's his old explosive self. Then he banged up his knee again. In the last four games, all losses, as you might remember, uh, he shot 32% from the field and averaged 16-3-6, which is very, very much down from his 20-point average across the season. But what's worse is that he's pretty much Reggie Jackson, uh, plus-minus in those minutes and in those games. He's a negative 51 in those games. Golly, it is hard to watch, too. Jamal Murray and Reggie Jackson are hard to watch. Jokic, of course, is his usual terrific self. Thomas Bryant was supposed to relieve a little bit of the Jokic burden. It has not worked out at all. I have no idea why. I like Thomas Bryant. He's getting four and a half points per game on 12 minutes with a negative four plus minus per game. That's not what we were looking for, especially for a team that must go to the finals in order for everyone to think that they are a success. Uh, maybe getting Yaka Pirtle would have helped you. I don't know. According to Malone, he says, I ain't going nowhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to find guys that are ready to fight with me because right now we're just in chill mode. We've got to find a way to get our swagger back. We've gotten away from who we are. I don't know, man. Maybe bringing in Reggie Jackson wasn't a good idea. Maybe playing them all at the same time is not a good idea. I think this team could be dangerous. They need to figure out what they're doing with the guard position. They also need to find another wing, most likely. I could see them catching the Warriors in the first round and getting sent home in five. Night-night. Sleep mask. See you later. Uh, they need to ditch that three-small guard offense. They need more consistency from Jamal Murray. Thankfully, they've got Christian Brown, who's a rookie from Kansas, playing excellent. He's been incredible. Pretty much the only bright spot from this team in terms of players that are showing out towards the end of the season. Very high basketball IQ, very high motor, can rebound, can shoot. A player who's going to compete on both sides of the ball. I, I don't think that the Nuggets are going to give up the number one spot in the West, but the fact that we're even talking about it, is concerning. It's a very fun, very wide open West this year. If they keep losing, oh boy, all bets are off. So we're here in the middle of March Madness, aren't we? Woo! 
my favorite time of year. All eyes are going to be on that the next few weeks. Thankfully for the Nuggets, we're watching college games for the next two weeks, right? For NBA fans, we're going to get the opportunity to see some of these kids' lottery picks up close and personal. So I thought maybe I would showcase some of those players, who they are, which teams they play for, maybe where they're slotted, what I like about them, pros, cons, all that. Let's start with the number one college player in the country, Brandon Miller. He's been the belle of the ball since minute one. Plays from Alabama. He's a huge star, as we know. 6'9". He's been in the news a lot uh, for some bad reasons. Uh, he's going to lately get some chances to show people how good he is at basketball. I think he had 42 the other night. Alabama's a number one seed in college basketball, so you're going to see him play two to three games minimum. What you're getting is a player who a lot of people compare to Paul George. He's, like I said, 6'9", very hard to guard, 40% from three. He can fill it up. I saw him live, but I discovered and other scouts confirmed he does not get a lot of separation. His first step, not very quick. He's very difficult to get past. It's very difficult for him to get past even slower defenders. Lacks quickness, lacks hip mobility, lacks explosiveness. Can't score at all three levels. And if you can strap him, he gets taken out of the game very easily from a mental perspective. But here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing. Scoot Henderson from the G League Ignite was just shut down for the rest of the season because he's been boo-boo. And nobody wants him to fall any further. And a lot of people are pointing out that Scoot is now not the number two overall consensus pick. Brandon Miller might be. Woo. So if Brandon Miller plays well in this tournament, you're going to see him become the staple number two, like Chet Holmgren was for the OKC Thunder. This NCAA tournament is going to be a huge opportunity for him to solidify his hold as the backup to Victor Wambiyama. It's there. It's there for him. He can fill it up. He can score. He's going to be a game changer for Alabama. Next up is Jairus Walker from Houston. People have been following this kid since he was in seventh grade. That's how special he is. He's 6'8". He has a 7'2 wingspan. He has great court vision. He's an above-average passer for that size, but he's very strong. Great rebounder, not super fluid, a little stiff, and really a major reason that Houston is a favorite to win it all. There's a lot of players that people want to watch for Houston. Uh, Sasser as well, which we'll talk about in a bit. The Athletic has him as a top-five pick going to Orlando, which would be really interesting, and now he has a reason to ball out. Next up is uh, Grady Dick out of Kansas. A lot of comparisons to Larry Bird. Don't want to say it, but there is. Jeff, Jeff Goodman thinks Grady Dick is a lottery pick who can go as high as 10. If you watch Kansas games, you'll see why. These uh, A lot of other people compare him to a faster Reggie Bullock. He's 6'8". He can create his own shot. But if he can find guards that can get him open, he's going to be able to really, really elevate his game in the NBA where there's a lot more spacing. Very smooth three-point shooter, 40% from three. And he is a big reason as a freshman that Kansas is a favorite to win it all as well. I love watching Grady Dick. Uh, you're going to be able to see him for three, four games, maybe more this year. Very fun player. A lot of people like them to go to the Final Four, so that should be good. Uh, up next is Jalen Hood Shafino out of Indiana. I like this kid a lot. 6'6". 
He's not going to get as much time to shine as others because Indiana could be bounced in the first round. Might be one and done by the end of the first weekend, but you got to peep him fast. He's not a super fluid scorer. He can shoot. He plays solid defense. Scouts love his size. Uh, Not a great free throw shooter, so scouts don't like that. He could rise as high as the mid-first round if he plays well or if Indiana goes far. Another player who's getting a little love, especially late in the season, is Dariq Whitehead from Duke. He's another guard, 6'4", with a 6'9 wingspan. Started the season injured. Now that he's healthy, that's pretty much why Duke is playing well. Shoots 40% from three as well. Little raw. Gets a lot of comparisons to Tyler Hero in terms of the way that he spaces the floor. Slippery enough to get his own shot off against tight defenses. Can come around screens, catch and shoot, and off the dribble. Gets a little lost in the shuffle because Duke is pretty loaded, especially out of the couple of seven-footers that are really good. But if he plays well in the tournament, he's going to raise his profile a ton. Up next is Jordan Hawkins from UConn. Another guard, 6'5", projected to be drafted in the 20s. But listen, if UConn wins at all, which some people think that they're a sleeper, they played well in the beginning of the year and played well at the end of the year, maybe he moves up the draft board then. I've seen as high as the mid-teens. Listen, this is all dependent on UConn moving to at least the Sweet 16 or the Elite 8 and him being a big part of that. Obviously, Sonogo, their center for UConn, is a big piece of that too. But some scouts say that he's stronger and faster than he appears. One of the best players in the nation this year. Uh, Let's just talk about all of Arkansas. It's pretty much the entire team on draft boards. Ricky Council, Anthony Black, Nick Smith Jr. They're all right there in the top 20. No joke. So Arkansas better do well in this tournament for them to not fall off the the cliff. Three future NBA players on one squad. People think that this team's going to underperform because the end of the season hasn't been great. Nick Smith has been highly touted for the last four years, was injured in the beginning of the year, and now is back. 6'5", he's projected as high as 7 in some mocks. A year or two ago, he was a consensus top three player. He's been banged up, but when he's out there, he can get you buckets, right? Great court vision, can go left, can go right. A lot of comparisons to Jamal Crawford. Doesn't get to the rim enough. Some people think he's a little skinny. 10 to 15 pounds of muscle will help him because he can get bodied, especially if he can get bodied in the college game. He can certainly get bodied in the pro game. Ricky Council, the fourth, is 6'6". He is really good in transition. So-so, half-court player, shot needs a little bit of work, but he's very athletic, good defender, can guard one through three. Projected mid to low first round, so I've seen him in the 18s, I've seen him in the 20s. And then finally, the other lottery pick is Anthony Black. Six, seven, point forward. Oh, man, he has a great shot. He can defend, too. A little too unselfish, but... That's why he works at Arkansas where shots are at a premium, right? There's a bunch of guys who are supposed to fill it up and a bunch of guys who are all trying to go into the next level. He's taller, more athletic than Scoot, more athletic than Amen Thompson, who are the only players at his position slotted ahead of him. So watch every Arkansas game this year because there's no guarantee they'll make it out of the first weekend. Uh, Up next is Keontae Johnson out of Kansas State. Man, he transferred from Florida to K-State, and he has lit it up. 6'6 wing. He missed all of last year due to health issues. 
but he's projected as a maybe a lottery player. He can guard one through four with ease. He's super athletic. He can shoot the three. And K-State is a sleeper to go to the Final Four. They are, they are a really, really fun team. If they go on a run and he gets back into the spotlight, even as an older prospect, I think he will improve his draft status. A great way to really scout for the NBA draft is to watch March Madness, kind of like Chet performed last year. Some of these other players come out of nowhere. So keep an eye on that. We are on Lonzo Ball Watch, and we have some more bad news. According to Shams, Lonzo Ball will undergo a third surgery on his left knee. That will get him to miss completely all of next year, putting his entire career into doubt. I don't even know what to say, man. I don't know who these people are working on Lonzo, but the first initial injury was a simple meniscus tear, and now we've got a guy who might miss the rest of his career. He's on his third surgery. What is that going to do? I do not want to face a reality where Lonzo Ball never plays in the NBA again. But that's what it is. So we'll move on. Jovan Buha just dropped a bomb also about the Lakers' future plans. That coincides with the Lakers and D'Angelo Russell back in the fold. He wants to get another contract. He wants to go back to the purple and gold. And the Lakers are interested Makes sense. So from what Jovan Buhan has been told by his sources around the organization, he says this. They want to run this situation, this current roster, back. It's looked good so far. They've won a ton of games. They've done a lot of winning without LeBron. And from what I've been told, they are not going to be pursuing Kyrie Irving in the offseason. The Kyrie Irving ship. I think, has sailed. Uh, what? That leaves Kyrie with just one option. The Mavs. And we are going to have to see how that plays out with Dallas. Good thing Luka likes playing with them. And as for the Lakers, I kind of like this for them. I like this team. This team's fun. This is the most fun version of the Lakers I've seen in a long time. Likeable, too. I pretty much like everybody on this team. This is a much better team than they were in the bowl when they won the title. If they had a little bit more depth, dare I say, the Lakers could be back. I hope not. All right, moving on to this quick contract update. Another alert came from Wojnowski. This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Woj bomb. The Atlanta Hawks have locked down Bogdan Bogdanovich. Four years, $68 million contract. Man. That stings, considering that Boyan signed a four-year, $73 million contract, and I think he's older. Not only are they not related, but now Bogdan has to go through life knowing he's the second-highest-played B. Bogdanovich in the NBA. I, I like him. Quinn Snyder must like him. That makes sense. He loved Boyan when he played for Utah. He had... Joe Ingles, who is a slower version of Bogdan, but now he's also had Boyan Bogdanovich too. So now we have to wait until Quinn Snyder's master plan uh, continues to reveal itself. I guarantee, I don't guarantee, but I do not think Trey Young is back next year. Uh, shocker. 
I guess. There's another all-star bitching about the MVP award. And it's not Joel Embiid. Only this time, it is Giannis. Giannis? Yes. That's how you know things are getting out of pocket because Giannis is speaking and is mad. Here's what he said. The thing that I don't get about the MVP criteria is that it changes. Like, I believe and I know that people are dominating. So what is the MVP? Is it the guy that scores the most points? Is it the guy that's the most efficient? Is it the guy that's the most dominant? Is it the guy who's the most valuable? Sometimes the best player isn't even the most valuable on the team. Like, I think that Brooke Lopez is a really valuable player for our team. Like, the MVP criteria just fucking, sorry for my language, it just changes. Giannis can't even cuss without saying, hey, sorry. Uh, as I said again, I can't control that. I can only control how I prepare for the game and try to be ready for the game. That's what it takes. Do you know what it takes for Giannis to drop an F-bomb and then apologize? What it takes for everyone to debate whether Jokic or Embiid is the MVP while Giannis drops 40 and 18 every damn night and nobody says a freaking peep and he's already won it twice? Why? He's like, yo... I just dropped 45 points on the Kings. What the fuck do I have to do in order for you guys to start saying my name again? He could score 50 every night if he wanted. It's very clear that he's the most unstoppable player in the NBA. And he can't even get into the conversation because of this little pissing match between Embiid and Jokic. They haven't even gone to a finals combined. And Giannis has already won a title. What are we doing? Go off, Giannis. Tell him what's good. You could give out Giannis the MVP every year, and nobody would complain. That's how dominant he is. Times are changing. Times are changing. Bob Dylan sang that ages ago, and you know Adam Silver has that loaded up on repeat on his, uh, what is it, Microsoft Zune? That's probably what he uses. Because it was announced today that Silver and the league are looking to triple its current revenue from TV deals. You know what happened, right? Adam saw, saw, Silver saw three numbers and went from 6 to 12 in about a hundredth of a second. Here's those numbers. 514, 394, and 279. Those numbers are the gross revenue numbers of Amazon, Apple, and Google in 2022 in the tune of billions that's a total of $1.19 trillion. Wow. That's how much money they have. Wow. Put it this way. Amazon, Apple, Google, if they merged, they'd have more gross revenue than all but 14 countries on Earth. The, the country of Google, Amazon, GDP, would put them as the 15th richest country on Earth ahead of Mexico, Saudi Arabia, and Holland. That's how much these fools make. So he saw a peek at them and was like, oh, yeah, we're going to need to soak them dry. We're going to need to charge them extra. They've got plenty. According to the Sports Business Journal, the NBA has high hopes for squeezing more money out of media outlets in negotiations because Amazon and Google told the league of their interest in streaming the games. Listen, as someone who makes money off the teat of rights deals, 
Don't hate it. Don't hate it at all. Guess what? If TV revenue triples, now you're going to get salary caps in the $300 million range, which means that we are going to get a player that makes $100 million a year. And that also means talking heads are going to get paid more too, bitch. All right, let's move on. Finally, Bronny James. Bronny James, the decision. It's time for the Bronny James TV, radio, Twitter announcement. Where will Bronny James play basketball next year? He's getting advice from his uncle, Uncle Kevin. Kevin Durant. Durant had this to say about college ball. There's still some amazing talent in college now with so many different routes, the OTEs, going overseas, guys going to Australia. All that stuff is cool. But still going to college, I feel like that's a great route because it's still on that big stage. You get to show who you are on the big stage. And the tournament, NCAA tournament, still a huge thing. I would love to see Bronny in college instead of going another route. Also, he better not go to Ohio State. They didn't even make the tournament this year. And I don't think Bronny James is elevating them to some sort of March Madness pursuit. But preach on, Katie. College is, I think, the 100% the best route for, for Bronny. Did you see what happened to Scoot? Scoot is now on ice because he stinks a grown, against grown men. You go against college students, Bronny. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's an Oregon duck. Quack, quack. Bronny James going to go to Oregon. That's my prediction. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Check back Monday for all new episode, which drops Tuesday. Do not forget to watch that feed. We've got interviews. We've got past episodes that drop unexpectedly throughout the week. And please follow us on social. Download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. This Heat Check on TikTok. Trista Crick on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter because the Heat Check never sleeps. And sometimes I drop videos that people don't like. And you know what? I don't care. We'll see you next time, guys.